thanks to LegalZoom for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can keep you on track. For special savings, enter Fool at checkout. LegalZoom.com. It's Tuesday, January 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Jason Moser from the Motley Fool's Million Dollar Portfolio and David Kretzman from Hidden Gems Canada. Guys, happy Tuesday. Hey, Matt. Hey. How you doing? Doing very well. If I was any better, I'd be twins, Mac. I'd, I've never heard that. I, I, I can't top that. <laughs> no, I have to think about that. There are but, a lot of other like ones that. that probably not fit for radio. We'll talk about it maybe after we're done taping. Well, that's good. It's well, a good Tuesday, though. Sure. Well, look at that. It is a good Tuesday, and, and, and lots to talk about. We're going to talk McDonald's and self-driving cars in a minute. But let's begin with a big deal in healthcare. On Tuesday, Amazon, Berkshire, and J.P. Morgan Chase announcing a partnership aimed at cutting healthcare costs and improving services for their U.S. employees. The three companies will create an independent company that will focus on technology solutions and will be quote free from profit-making incentives and constraints. Now, David, this feels like a big, big. Big story. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing that Jeff Bezos put in the free from profit making <laughs> <laughs> incentives and constraints in there. Uh, yeah, this is a really interesting deal. I mean, they're they're really just focusing on their own employees in the U.S. So we don't want to extrapolate it too far right away, which I think some people are doing, and certainly it could expand and develop down the road where they begin to serve and address employees outside of their own respective companies. But for now, this really seems like more like a big but internal experiment with these three companies. But make no mistake about it, this is the Avengers or the Justice League. Like These are big, powerful <laughs> hitters. And I'm actually going to look to Minaj Bargava, who's the founder of Five Hour Energy, he has a, a mental model here where he looks at experts and invention of the field. So, three quick points here that, that I immediately thought of this when this deal was announced this morning. So, Manaj Bargava, he's he's a, a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, number one, he says most inventions aren't from experts; they're from people outside of a field. Number two, experts are good at telling you what not to do, but they're terrible at telling you what to do. And number three, learning the past way things are done won't help you create something new. And that really resonates with something that Jeff Bezos mentioned uh, in the release. And Jema, I know you put this out on Twitter, but Bezos said that success here is going to require a beginner's mind. So I think it's very telling that there isn't a healthcare company among these three players in this deal. So that that's immediately what what I thought of. These are all these are three very successful companies in their own fields. None of them are healthcare companies and they're trying to tackle this healthcare issue with their own employees. Yeah, I think this is a a fabulous first step in trying to tackle Perhaps one of the biggest problems in our society today, um, in, in the exploding cost in healthcare, and, and obviously healthcare is something that we are going to always have to deal with and address. It's, it's as long as we walk the face of this earth. Um, so I mean, the the idea that they're going to keep this at least in their universe at first with their three companies, it essentially serves as sort of an incubator for ideas and building something from the ground up, uh, cutting costs, improving service. I mean, that's right in Amazon's wheelhouse. So I think having Having Jeff Bezos as a part of this is going to be crucial, really, because he takes such a long-term approach there. And obviously, we know where 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 everybody else stands. There, Warren Buffett, and obviously J.P. Morgan. I think, though, before you start predicting the the end of healthcare stocks out there as we know them, let's let's think about this 
for a second. Let's be a little, little bit more rational here. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not something they're going to be able to just change overnight, right? This is going to require a lot of trial and error, a lot of iteration. I think there are plenty of healthcare companies out there today who would be wise to view this entity as an opportunity as a partner, as opposed to saying, nope, we just want to go our own way, because I think that latter decision there would be quite damning for a number of reasons. Okay, so let's talk some more about that, because when you look at these other healthcare companies today, here are just a few names, CVS, Cigna, Express Scripts, United Health, MetLife, all down big. These are companies that are not free from profit-making incentives. They have to make a profit. So, Jason, to your point, if I'm if I'm an investor in one of these other companies, what do I do with this news? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Bush made a good point earlier. We were talking about this around our desk. Is you know, all of these companies that you just mentioned, they're not founded based on altruism, right? I mean, <laughs> they're not out there just solely trying to make the world a better place. There is a profit um, angle that needs to be considered, and so I think. Uh, the bottom line with a lot of these companies is they have a role to play here, but it is it is more about figuring out a way to wring the inefficiencies out of this model, uh, figuring out sort of an easier way to get from point A to point B. Uh, I think one thing you could say with our health healthcare system today, there are a lot of hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. So I think it's really trying to sort of bring this uh, bring this process up up with the times. I mean, technology has done such a great job in disrupting and changing everything to this point, and it's done that. In a lot of ways with healthcare, but there are also a lot of ways where it's still falling short. One of my favorite companies out there, we talk about this all the time, Teladoc, sort of bringing in that virtual healthcare angle. That's one healthcare stock mag that's not down today. And I think that's probably for the reason that it's focused very much on that bringing more efficiency to an inefficient system. Yeah, I think if you're a healthcare provider, you certainly want to take this seriously. But as investors, you don't want to jump the gun so quickly because I mean, I think we have a great case study looking back uh, to June last year when Amazon announced acquisition of Whole Foods, and you saw tons of grocers just drop five, six, ten percent, <laughs> pretty much the day of, and certainly in the following weeks after that deal. So it really just does show the. Power and weight that Amazon has. All they have to do really is put out a press release that they're entering an industry, and people panic. Uh, but but looking at Walmart uh, as an example, uh, right before that uh, Amazon Whole Foods acquisition was announced, the stock was at about eighty dollars a share, dropped down closer to seventy dollars a share or so within uh, two weeks or so after that announcement. Today it's close to one hundred and eight dollars a share. So uh, I I think it's. Certainly, a good thing as as a consumer, there there needs to be more competition. I think uh, the, these healthcare providers will uh, feel the 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 fire. They'll feel the pressure. So that at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing. But I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't take this too far just yet as an investor. Yeah, I'd made a point the other day on Twitter about how valuable the experience of going through the Great Recession was, um, for as scary a time as it was. There was there was a lot uh, to be said for actually witnessing it and kind of coming out on the other side and recognizing that hey, the world didn't exactly come to an end. Um, someone had asked what were some of the lessons that I took away, and I think one of the bigger ones was really just kind of being able to recognize uh, the babies that are actually being thrown out with the bathwater. Right there are. Some bad players, uh, but when you have sort of a wide-reaching sort of exodus from something like healthcare, because you see Amazon's coming in there to kind of change the game, it, it, not everybody out there is a bad player, right? There are actual gems out there that that do serve a role and that could benefit from partnership in helping sort of take this market forward. So I think looking 
at this market, recognizing the big players in the space, the ones that have those competitive advantages. I think United Health Group is one, uh, just by its sheer size alone. But not to mention, when regulation when regulations change, I mean that's going to be one of the companies that will be very uh, quick to to uh, sort of roll with the changes, so to speak. So just because there's this big spate of bad news out there, it doesn't mean every player in the space is is uh, is one you want to steer away from. And guys, let's talk some McDonald's. McDonald's reporting better than expected earnings. Jason, best same store sales growth in six years, thanks in part to value promotions, new menu items, mobile ordering, and delivery. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, Mac. This success is not due to me. I cannot remember the last <laughs> time I went to a McDonald's. Now, with that said, I love McDonald's. I have to say, I mean, this has just been one of the most fascinating turnarounds to see, and I feel like whenever we see a CEO out there that's really just firing on all cylinders, as Ron Gross would like to say, we feel like saying that's the Steve Easterbrook of that company, right? Or that's the Steve Easterbrook of that industry, because Steve Easterbrook is the CEO that really took McDonald's in the middle of this just. Big downturn and turn that ship around completely. I mean, McDonald's has just been one of the best turnarounds we've seen in quite some time. And and I like the business in the sense that you're focusing on food. That's a good repeat sales business. Uh, fast food, the value proposition there, and really the McDonald's story is all boiled down to being able to take this worldwide brand and modernizing it and really bringing it up with the times. And I think that Easterbrook has done a very good job with that, focusing on things like mobile ordering and like delivery and really. You mentioned this before, bringing the quality of those stores back up and making the experience a nicer one. The renovated stores are really nice. Yeah. We end up stopping at McDonald's a lot on road trips, and stopped at one a year ago. And I placed my order, and then just went and sat at this table. Someone brought me my food, Ooh, table <laughs> wow. service, and it was like a nice, a really nice store. And that that changes the way I feel about the whole company. So that's a, that's I'm a shareholder, I should say, and I've been a shareholder for the last year. It's been a great stop. A little bit of a lesson from Ron Shake and Panera, right? I think he is really. Played a big role in sort of helping to reshape this this uh, food service industry that, that we're dealing with today, and and you have to be able to step up your game, or I think other players are going to go go right past you. And, and with McDonald's, maybe not the biggest growth story in the world, but again, I mean they're going to be returning somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five billion to shareholders, twenty five billion dollars to shareholders through two thousand and nineteen. Share counts down about twenty percent since two thousand and thirteen. They'll continue to pay a dividend, and that dividend will continue to grow. So while maybe there's not a big growth story there. I think this is a decent income play for investors looking to kind of hang on to one that'll give you sort of steady Eddie returns for some time to come, at least as long as Easterbrook's at the helm. Yeah, I think this is another great lesson or case study that you don't want to necessarily extrapolate something that's happened the past couple years out for the next five years. Because a few years ago, fast food was really left for dead. Fast yeah. casual was the in thing. In the past couple years, fast casual has struggled. Uh, sit down restaurants have struggled. But fast food has really been where the bulk of the growth has come with restaurants. So I think these things will ebb and flow. It's not that one segment of restaurants is going to swallow the others, but there there will be ongoing innovation and give and take there. So I think that's just something to to keep in mind, especially when you have you know a brand and a company like McDonald's, which is you know even even in their challenging days a few years ago, we're still producing you know solid free cash flow, and it was really just a matter of getting that leadership and that strategic vision in place. And Steve Easterbrook has certainly delivered that. And speaking of delivery, there uh, they they now have delivery rolled out in. More than 10,000 restaurants globally. They mentioned that 
the average check size for delivery is one and a half to two times uh, the the average order size for non-delivery. So, a lot of ni nice areas that they're they're innovating. They're really impressive story. It's crazy to think about. Probably what three years ago, where we were looking at McDonald's and thinking just doom and gloom. And we're looking at Chipotle and thinking, this is the future. And now, today, well, 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 you know, the turntables have turning turned. The turntables have turned, or something like <laughs> something, that. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it was my effort. At, uh, Almost had it. Well, you know, at one point, you know, McDonald's had a stake in Chipotle. Maybe, maybe, yes. maybe they, what, buy Chipotle back? I, it's, we've, we've all, I think, lobbed that uh, back and forth here around around our desks, at least at one point or another. And I think that would be the, the ultimate irony, right? Um, I think at some point or another we end up seeing Chipotle go back private. Uh, I I just feel like that is a concept that is probably going to do a little bit better out of the public markets, out of that scrutiny. But but I you know that that would be an interesting opportunity for McDonald's to try to jump back in there and say, hey, fool me once, shame on me. What the. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, though, with uh, Chipotle, because looking at this McDonald's case study, it really was just a matter of getting that leadership in place. So, yeah. Chipotle this year, they are looking for a new CEO. So, if they can get someone like a Steve Easterbrook who can come in, recognize the strengths of the concept, and then fine tune it in certain areas, yeah, maybe next five years Chipotle outperforms McDonald's. I'm actually surprised they haven't named someone yet. It seems like it's been a while. So, I mean, I wonder if they're having difficulty finding someone that wants to take on that task or someone they feel like is suited for the role. It's it's kind of confounding to think they haven't really. I'm telling you, I'm telling you my million dollar idea for Chipotle, <laughs> and and this does violate the food with integrity. But Jason, we've talked about this. Sure. And at the end of the day, people just want a good burrito. They want yep. a good meal. They don't sit there and say, "I'm really looking for something that has integrity." I people don't think that agree. way. So here's what I want: I want a guilty pleasures menu, <laughs> a sub menu at Chipotle. So you've got queso, you've got other stuff that's not great for you, but you've already told me guilty pleasure, yeah. right? And then with the queso, you can bust out the Velveeta. I was going to say, yeah, you don't our have queso to go is 100. Velveeta. Oh, that's it. That's it's a guilty pleasure. People I've know told it, you there. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to go queso, it's got to be like it's got to have the tasty taste. It I'm can't right be like this you. horsey queso that they rolled out before. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Okay, guys. Well, now that the New Year's madness is over, it's time to work on your story for 2018, and LegalZoom can help. Maybe you're getting serious about launching and running your own business. Maybe, Jason, you need to get your family squared away with the right estate plan. Very, very uh, good point there, Mac. At some point or another, I am going to die. And I, I recognize this, and I came to the realization that I needed to make sure I had a last will and testament written up and ready to roll. So, who'd you use? I went to LegalZoom, baby. How'd nice. it work out? It was seamless. I tell you, the most difficult part, and I'm not saying it was difficult, was simply finding a couple of witnesses and a notary public to make sure that thing was good and legal. But it was a, a very, very good experience uh, for at least as good of experiences as you know, it can be kind of coming to the, to the realization that you one day will be passing away. Well, guys, LegalZoom can help people like Jason it's been helping people like you for 16 years, whether it's starting your business, whether it's launching your business, running your business, creating an estate plan. Now, LegalZoom's not a law firm, but they have the resources to keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys, all at your fingertips. And LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billing you by the hour. Because at LegalZoom, all pricing is given up front. 
What a what a what a concept upfront pricing. And I will say also, it did include an actual phone call to an attorney. I had a couple of questions. I was able to actually speak with someone who who was able to give me straight answers. It was very helpful. Well, you can write your 2018 story now at legalzoom.com/fool and get special savings. That's legalzoom.com/fool. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com/fool. Okay, guys, and let's wrap up with some big news from Alphabet, aka Google. Do you think most people know that Alphabet is Google now? I think it's becoming a little bit more widespread. My kids yeah. know it, but they they also have that one on the short list of stocks they want to own. So I still think right. cereal. I mean, I know I'm of a certain age, but <laughs> yeah, if you say one. Alphabet and Alphabet, I'm like, you know, one. gosh, I don't even know that reference. Yeah, it was it's a Alphabet. Cereal. Oh, it was a cereal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do they still just make like it? We were talking with Aaron earlier and talking about Buck Rogers and Twig, and he looked at like, we looked at us like we're from I'm Mars. I'm dating myself. <laughs> you know, it's because it's because David is a healthy, well-adjusted human being. There's oh, no absolutely. reason you should know that reference. I appreciate that. Okay, so big news from. Alphabet, Alphabet's self-driving car unit Waymo is buying quote thousands of self-driving minivans from Fiat Chrysler. Waymo wouldn't disclose the exact number, but guys, we know they already have 600 Chrysler Pacifica minivans in their fleet, um, some of which are already shuttling people around in Arizona. David, what do you think? Yeah, it shows that the the partnership that they've had with Chrysler over the past couple of years, obviously both parties are happy. It's not an exclusive partnership, but yeah, this will be a big deal because the the vehicles that they're buying retail for close to forty thousand dollars. So just a thousand of those would be you know forty million bucks. So Alphabet's you know serious about plunking down a good chunk of change for this. And of all the self driving players, I think Waymo is the one I'm most optimistic about, at least with where their technology is at today. Just having ridden in a couple, quote unquote, self-driving cars at CES the past couple years, uh, just seeing what Waymo is able to do. Like they they now have some vehicles where they still have an employee in the car, but the employee isn't in the front seat; they're actually in the back seat. So really, getting closer to that full self-driving vehicle, far and away uh, uh, more autonomous than a lot of other things that are on display at CES. So when you took your your test ride. The employee was in the back seat. No, so that that's what Waymo does in some cases okay. in in Arizona. But uh, when you get in a self driving car now, whether it's like a demo at CES or somewhere else, there will be an employee uh, or, or essentially an official driver in the front seat to take the take control of the car in manual mode. So the car will uh, disengage from autonomous mode, and all of a sudden the the driver will be in control. And we we took a, a self driving ride with Lyft uh, in Vegas just a couple weeks ago when we were at CES, and the 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 driver had to disengage from autonomous mode into that manual mode several times just because traffic in Vegas is intense and you have people trying to cut each other off. So. That that's what makes me think we're we're still a ways away from full autonomy, but it seems like Waymo has a pretty pretty substantial head start. It feels like voodoo magic to me. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to be the last guy driving my car, Jason. We are not a ways away from <laughs> clever onion headlines. I was just reading how Tesla just debuted the carless driver. <laughs> the nice. picture is the picture is the greatest part of it. So you got to check this out on the onion. I mean, it's this this guy just sitting there as if he's in a car, but there's no car. <laughs> Keep believing. I was thinking about that last night. I was picking my daughter up from her rehearsal. They're doing this big show at school, and it's the production. They're doing these rehearsals all hours of the day. And I'm thinking about the driving home with her at about 9 15 in the evening. I'm thinking at one one point or another, I mean, that is going to be a big opportunity, right? That's a big solution. I I just, I have a hard, I don't, the, the, the technology for the cars, I think, is there. 
um, you refine that, fine tune it. I think the bigger hurdle is probably going to be our our road system, right? I mean, we have to have. I think sort of a standardized and trustworthy road system that can detect driverless cars along with driver cars, you know, with cars being piloted by us, by drivers, how they interact. I mean, just there's so many questions that yeah. come to mind, so many ifs that come into play. It just it's it's hard to hard to picture it today, but it, it's it's coming. And for kids growing up, you know, it may not be an issue because they may never drive a car. But the fact that I know how to drive a car and I feel like I'm a pretty solid driver, I'm just very wary of the technology. I don't know what but, it's going to take for me to basically trust a self driving car more than my own abilities. But do, do you enjoy driving? Love driving. And see, I do too. See, I actually do enjoy it. I, love mean, it's it. a I way love to parallel think. parking. I'm like, you know, my parallel parking is solid. I love just the zen of getting on the open road. Turning on some Springsteen. I don't want some self-driving zombie car. Well, hey, I, mean, I don't know. You, you dial the clock back to 1900. There's probably a couple guys sitting around <laughs> saying, "You know, I just love driving that horse and buggy, man." Buggy whip. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with the horse. Springsteen going partying like it's 1990. Is that so wrong? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be the last one driving. <laughs> I think it'll be a while because really, the the replacement cycle for for vehicles that are on the road it takes a good it's chunk a, of time. I was gonna say there's at least a decade yeah. out there. Yeah, I would what, say 10 or 15 years at least before we have like full uh, uh, above half you know full self-driving cars on the road. What I do love about this story is if I said self-driving car the first image that came to your mind would be some sleek kind of futuristic Buck Rogers-esque <laughs> vehicle and I love that these are Chrysler minivans. Yes. <laughs> that is the world is good. That is as it should be. Well yeah, Waymo they they wanted a, a vehicle that could hold more people. So yeah, going with the minivan, love solid it. choice. Jason David, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks. Matt. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. I should mention that we talked about the big healthcare deal with Amazon, with Berkshire, with JP Morgan, and Industry Focus. One of our, podca- one of our podcasts is going to be all over that tomorrow. So, Wednesday's Industry Focus is going to be talking more about that deal. But Market Foolery is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.